Aren't you thankful for the salvation and for the hope that we have in Jesus? And I'm so thankful that we serve a God that, as we just sang a moment ago, that when he speaks, it settles it. That we don't have to question uh, whether or not he's going to come through on his word. We don't have to question whether or not we can trust him. But when he says it, it is as good as done. And so we can have faith in him in every situation. Tonight, I want to close out our series. Um, Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about who are we going to be as we've been looking forward at what this ministry is going to be, who we're going to be as a people. And uh, we're walking through a, a season of transition. It's a time where there's been a, a transition in leadership, and um, even in the midst of that transition, we are seeing God move. We're seeing God uh, do incredible things. We're seeing uh, new people join and become a part of our young adults ministry here, and we give God all the glory for that. And we are praying and asking God to continue to work and to continue to move and believing uh, that the best days are still ahead, that God is going to continue to work in and through you to reach people, to make disciples, and to take the gospel ultimately to the ends of the earth. Tonight we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to be uh, jumping around the book of Deuteronomy a little bit too. But I want us to look at a passage of Scripture where the children of Israel are going through a time of transition themselves. And we see that in Deuteronomy 31. And as you look at the passage, you'll see at the beginning of Deuteronomy 31 that Moses is nearing the end of his life. It says that Moses is 120 years old, and he's gotten to the point where he's no longer going out and coming back in. Uh, He knows that his days on this earth are coming to an end. And God has already made it clear to him that he is not going to cross over the Jordan, that he's not going to enter into the promised land. And so Moses is in a place where he knows that his days with his people that he has gone through so much with are coming to an end. And when we look at chapters 29 through 31, we see some of his final words to the children of Israel. Some of the final uh, encouragement that he has for those people. Uh, We'll see in this passage that he leaves Israel with some parting words. That he's passing the mantle of leadership over to Joshua. You've probably heard the phrase, famous last words. And many times people say that before somebody's about to do something dumb or stupid, like uh, they make a comment and they're standing on a ladder that's on cinder blocks that's stretched out across to a plywood beam or something crazy like that. But many times before people pass away or when they know that time is drawing short, they will say such profound things because there are very few things that matter when you know that your life is coming to an end. And so when you know that your time is short, Uh, when you know that it may be the last chance that you have to talk to someone or to talk to a group of people, you tell them what matters most. You tell them what they need to know. You make things right if necessary. When time is short, you say what matters most. And so when we look at this passage tonight, we're going to see three things that Moses charges the children of Israel to do. And I believe uh, these three things also define who we are going to be as a ministry. And it's really simple tonight. It's just going to be three words that I want us to take away as we look into God's word that I hope challenge us as a group of young adults who are seeking to follow Jesus, who are wanting to reach other young adults with the gospel and help them grow in their faith. So let's just look into God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 31. And the first word that I I believe we see from what uh, Moses shares is remember. Deuteronomy 31 verses 3 and 4 says, The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will will go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did in Sihon and Og, and the king of the Amorites in their land, 
when he destroyed them. So Moses is encouraging the people of Israel that you're going to go forward. Joshua is going to be your leader. And be courageous because the Lord is leading you to the land that you're going to possess. But he doesn't just tell them where they're going. He reminds them of where they've been. He reminds them of what they've gone through. He reminds them of the enemies that they've defeated, of the kings that they have defeated. And he does this so that they can trust them. He calls the people of Israel to remember. The passage says he will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og and the king of the Amorites when he destroyed them. They can have confidence to move forward even though their leader, Moses, is no longer going to be with them because they can look back at what God has already done and they can trust that he is faithful and that he is going to continue to move, that he is going to continue to give them the victory as they travel, as they go forward toward the land that he promised. And as you look all throughout the Old Testament, you look through the writings of Moses, his, his final address to these people and, and the writings leading up to this, Moses consistently encourages the people of God to look back, to remember what God has done. We see in Deuteronomy 29 that he points them back to Egypt and says, you've seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in Egypt, the plagues that God used to bring you to freedom. He parted the Red Sea that, so they could walk through on dry ground. He provided streams in the midst of the desert so that they would have something to drink. We see that he provided manna from heaven so that they would have food. And we see that time and time again, God provides for their needs. He delivers them from their enemies. He defeats the enemies that stand before them. And Moses is saying, look back. You've already seen more in these 40 years than most people will see in a lifetime. God has been faithful. He has fought for you. He has led you. If you think about the way that they traveled, they were guided by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that was God's presence leading them to the place that he had for them. And what Moses is saying is in the days ahead, there's going to be challenges. You're going to come up against great armies. There's going to be times where you're looking around going, where are we going to get food from? Where, where are we going to find water? And he says, remember what God has already done. Remember that he has been faithful because he will be faithful to do it again. There's one passage that I find so fascinating. Deuteronomy 29, verses 5 and 6. And you'll see it up on the screen. Or verse 5, I'm sorry. It says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. Think about that. That's how great our God is that he takes care of even the smallest details, that these people are walking through the wilderness for 40 years, and he says that their clothes didn't wear out and their sandals didn't wear off their feet. And I got to be honest with you guys, I am terrible when it comes to shoes. Like y'all are all probably going to look at my shoes now, so hopefully it's dark down there and you can't tell what they look like. But I'm just really hard on shoes. And I think God has a sense of humor because I wore some shoes that were relatively clean tonight because I knew as soon as I said that, everybody's going to look down and be like, ooh, how ugly are his shoes? But uh, I was walking to put the sandwich board outside and I don't know if they turned the sprinklers on or what, but I stepped down and it was like mud everywhere. And I was like, God is just proving his point and showing that I do not take good care of my shoes. You know, I can get a pair of shoes and a couple months later, they just are worn out. They're dirty. Uh, I'm really hard on shoes. I remember being a kid and every year before school started, my parents would take me to go get new, sh new shoes for that school year. Anybody else do that? Did you have that tradition? A couple of you? Yeah. So you would go and you'd get a new pair of shoes for that school year. And I would look to try to find the coolest ones or the ones that I liked the most. And I can't tell you how many times my mom would be like, no, 
those shoes are white, they're too light colored, you're going to destroy them, I'm not paying for them. So I always had dark gray and black shoes or something that was dark so that they didn't get dirty. But the funny part about that is my older brother is the complete opposite. Y'all, he is, uh, he's in his early 30s and he probably still has shoes from high school that look brand new. Like he'll pull out shoes and I'll be like, dude, when did you get those? Oh, I've had them since 10th grade. You know, like he just takes really good care of his shoes. And we used to joke on him uh, when we were in middle school and even early high school because he didn't want to get a crease in his shoes. So like when he got new shoes, he would walk like real stiff so that it didn't crease up his shoes. I got any shoe people out here? Any people that take really good care of their shoes? A couple of y'all. Some of y'all are like ducking your head, like don't look. But I just found that so fascinating when we look at this passage that they traveled for 40 years. I can't travel 40 days without my shoes getting dirty or wearing out. And yet they traveled through the wilderness for 40 years. And it says, that their sandals, the the shoes on their feet, did not wear out. And all this reveals that the Lord is God, that he is your God, that he cares for you. He looks after every single detail. Uh, He takes care of every aspect of your life. And Moses reminds the children of Israel of God's deliverance, of his provision, and of his faithfulness. Remembering what God has already done gives courage and hope for what he will do in the future. So before we look to who we are going to be as a church, as a people group, as a young adults ministry, we've got to look back and remember what God has already done. Remember where we've came from. When we talk about where we're going, we're going to be a people that remembers. Remember what God has done in your life. Recall the times where you have found him faithful because that may be exactly what you need to have the courage to step out in faith when you face that next obstacle, when God calls you to something else. And in life, you know what? It's not always easy. I feel like so many times I find myself with a new obstacle, a new circumstance. It could be a health issue, a financial burden, a a relational issue with someone. And it's so easy to just get your eyes fixed on that situation and to think about all of the circumstances and all of the things that you have to do to fix it and all the stressors and to forget what God's already done. And I think as we look at this passage It's so important to look back, to remind ourselves of who our God is. That when we found ourselves in need, he's always came through. That we can trust his promises. That when we walk through a difficult season, he was always there with us. And so I want to encourage you tonight. When you look at the Old Testament and you see the children of Israel, it seems like every time they faced a new barrier or a new obstacle, they focused on what they were facing rather than their God that had done an incredible work already. Let us be a people that remember what God has brought us through, that remembers what God has done so that we can remain obedient to him in the days ahead. As we look back and we remember God's faithfulness, I believe that it gives us courage to live for him moving forward and in the days ahead. So what can we do to remember what God has done? What are some practical steps that we can take to remember? There's three that I just want to show you there on the screen. The first one is to spend time in his word. When we spend time in God's word, we are reminded of who he is. We're reminded of his goodness and his faithfulness, of how he's delivered others and how we can trust and believe that he will deliver us, he will provide for us, he will sustain and he will satisfy. The second is to gather with other believers like we're doing tonight that we can encourage one another to continue to uh, remain steadfast in the faith, that we can remind each other how God has worked in our lives so that we can be encouraged to continue to live for him. And the third step is to journal. 
And, you know, I always heard journal and thought, like, no, guys don't really keep a journal. Like, that's something that girls do. Like, it didn't seem like a masculine thing to, like, keep a journal. But I want to encourage you. Like, as you are reading God's word, as you are praying for things, write it down. If you don't want to call it a journal, you don't call it your notebook. Call it your handy-dandy notebook. I don't care. <laughs> call it whatever. Only the people who have kids laughed at that. No, I'm just kidding. No, my wife laughed because we have a kid. No, but uh, so... That's Blue's Clues, in case you guys missed it. That was probably before your time, and now it's back, you know. But um, write it down. Write down what God is doing in your life. Write down the prayer requests that you have. Write down what you're learning. Why? Because you can look back at it six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, and you can be reminded of, man, I prayed for that for years, and God answered that prayer. This is what God showed me. This is what God has done. And you can be reminded of his faithfulness, because our God is a faithful God. I was reading this passage uh, just this last week, and it just stuck out to me. Joshua 21, 45. It says, Not one word of all the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Listen to that one more time. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Every promise that God made the people of Israel, he kept. Because he is a good God. He is a faithful God that keeps his promises. And so we can trust him. And we must remember what he's done, what he said, and live in obedience to him. And that's Joshua that is saying that. At the end of his life, so that next generation, he looks back and he tells the people, God has been faithful. When we remember God's faithfulness in the past, it gives us hope for future provision, deliverance, and victory. So the first word that I think is so important for us as a people seeking to live for the Lord is to remember what he's done. The second word is to reach. Deuteronomy 31 verse 12 says this, Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So God has given Moses the law to share with the people of Israel. This law has been written down, and now Moses is informing the people that this is the ongoing authority in their lives, that even after he passes on and they have a new leader, that the word of the Lord, the law that they have been given, will stand, and it will be valid for future generations. And what Moses shares with the priests is that they are to read the law aloud before the people that they would gather every year for a festival, for a feast, and the men would uh, take a pilgrimage. But he said, every seventh year, we don't want just the men to come. We want everyone to come. He says, the, the men, the women, the little ones, the sojourners, the children, bring them all, assemble the people, gather them together in one common place for one purpose. Moses says, gather the men, the women, the children, the sojourners, that they might hear the words of the law and fear the Lord and be careful to do all the words of this law. And then it says in the next passage, so that the children who have not heard may hear. Moses says, look, gather everyone so that they may hear the word of God, so that they may hear the law. Why is this so important? I want to read a passage from just one chapter before in Deuteronomy 30. This is verses 15 through 20. Moses is addressing the children of Israel, and he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. 
if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules. Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Moses says the law is so important for the children of Israel to hear and to know because it was the difference between life and death. It was the difference between blessing and cursing. God established a covenant with Israel that he would be their God, that they would be his people, that he would give them a land, that they would be a great nation, that through them all of the nations would be blessed. And yet part of God's covenant was that they would be obedient. He says that if they would live in obedience to him, then they would experience life. They would experience blessing. They would conquer the enemies that are before them. They would inherit the land that he desired them to possess. But he says if they failed to live in obedience to him, if they pursued after idols, if they chased after false gods, if they turned away from him, then they would experience curse that ultimately would lead to exile, to being separated as a people, to not having a land. And it says ultimately would lead to death. Moses urged the priests to read the law so that Israel might know the law, that the Lord is God, and live in obedience to his commands so that they could experience life and experience God's blessing. They called everyone together so that they could hear the word of God. They could know it, they could believe it, and they could live in obedience to him. And like Moses, I believe that God has called us to gather the people and to share, to share what he's done in our lives, to share the good news of the gospel so that they might choose between life and death. Jesus said in John 14, 3, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. You see, the truth is this. Eternity hangs in the balance. Every single person we meet, our friends, our family members, our co-workers, the person that makes our sandwich in Subway, the, the person that you talk to when you're at the gym that you, you pass every day because you all have the same workout routine, every single person we come in contact with is going to spend eternity somewhere. They're going to spend eternity in a place of torment separated from God or in relationship with God experiencing his goodness forever in heaven. Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned. Every single one of us has sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. Or in other words, that sin separates us from God. And there isn't anything that we can do about it on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't read our Bible enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't, there, there's nothing that we can do to fix that. But when we were in our hopeless state, when Scripture described us as being dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus came to this earth. 
He took on human flesh, and he became like us, and he walked among mankind, and he lived a perfect life, and he ultimately went to the cross, and he died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, to pay the price for your sins, to pay the price for anyone who would place their faith and trust in him. He paid the price for their sins on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, and scripture tells us that if we simply believe in him, that we can be forgiven, that we can have an eternal home in heaven, that we can have a restored relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just like Moses said, People have to make the choice between life and death. It all comes down to what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to choose to follow him? Are you going to choose to make him the Lord of your life? Are you going to believe that there's another way, that there's a better way? How can we not tell people? How can we not go and share with people when we've experienced life that comes from Christ? How can we not share about what Jesus has done? I was talking to someone in this room yesterday and again today, and I won't say their name, but uh, he knows who he is. And we just had a conversation about when we've been saved, when we've experienced the goodness of who God is, how can we talk about anything other than that? You know, it's so easy for us to talk about like what we're watching on TikTok or on Netflix. It's so easy to talk about which football team we love and, and who won the game last night. But how often do we stop and we have conversations about what God has done in our life and what he can do in their life? How often are we moved to have that conversation with the people that we come in contact with? I believe there's so many people out there that they're looking for hope. They're looking for purpose in this life. They're looking for an answer that goes beyond themselves. And if you're a follower of Christ, we have that answer. We need to be a people of God that's willing to share, that's willing to go, that's willing to tell, that's willing to reach people with the gospel of Christ. We're going to be a people who is here for those who are not yet here. Yes, we want to learn from God's word. We want to worship together. We want to grow in our faith. But ultimately, we want to reach lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I truly believe that revival can start right here in this place. I believe that God can use this generation, that he can use our generation to be the ones that say, we're not going to continue going down our own path. We're going to live for Jesus, and we're going to share the gospel with other people, and we're going to invite people to be a part of what God is doing here, because I believe that God is on the move, and that there's young people all around Hampton Roads that are looking for a community to be a part of. There's young people all around Hampton Roads that are looking for answers, and God wants us to go and tell. He wants us to share. He wants us to invite them to be a part of this family that we have here. We've been called to reach people, to go and to invite them to be a part of what God is doing and what he has done in our lives. He wants us to share he wants us to invite them to be here. And if y'all noticed a minute ago, I said our generation. I know y'all are probably thinking that guy is way older than me. But 
I promise I just barely fit in that category. I'm getting dangerously close to 30 years old, and it's scary. But uh, I'm hanging on by a thread to my 20s, so you can claim me in your generation, or you can say you're not but it's okay. I feel the call of God uh, on my life, and I pray the call of God on your life to go and to take the gospel to the people around us. Moses said, gather the people so that they may hear. Who are we going to be? We're going to be a people that goes, a people that shares, but we're also going to be a people that is actively inviting other people to come and to join us so that they can hear the good news of who Jesus is and have the opportunity to have their life changed. I want to challenge you tonight. Who needs to be here with you next week that's not here tonight? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Who needs to be here so they, they can hear about Jesus? Maybe they've never heard the truth of the gospel. Maybe they're far from him and they need to turn back. Maybe they're living for him, but they're not living in community. Who needs to be here that you need to share with? I want to encourage you to start thinking about those names. We're going to come back to that in just a few moments. Next week, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be a series about life-changing encounters, about individuals in Scripture who encountered God and their life radically changed. You think about people like the Apostle Paul. I think about Moses when he saw the burning bush out in the wilderness. I think about Isaiah when he got a vision of God in the temple, and his response was, woe is me, for I am a sinful man. I think about the inner circle, the three disciples who were able to see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. We're going to look at each one of those stories and see how when they encountered God, everything changed. Because I believe that when you truly come to know Jesus, Jesus changes everything. He doesn't just take bad people and make them better. He makes all things new. He takes dead people and he brings them back to life. I want to encourage you to invite someone to be here with you next week so that they can hear that message and pray that God moves and he works in their life. Lastly, not only are we here to remember and are we here to reach, but also we're here to teach. If you notice in Deuteronomy 31, 12 and 13, there was another step beyond just hearing the gospel. It said that they may learn to fear the Lord and to do all the words of the law. The Great Commission, which is Jesus' final words that he gave before ascending into heaven. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. And he said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus said that our call is not just to go and to share the gospel, but it's to tell people about who he is and then to teach them what his word says and how they can live in obedience to him. We exist not only to reach people with the gospel, but to teach what the word says and to encourage each other to walk in obedience to what Christ has commanded. Why? Because we experience God's greatest blessing when we are walking in obedience to his will. If you want to experience abundant life, Jesus said, I came so that you may have life and that you may have it in abundance. If you want to experience the fullness of joy that comes from the Christian life, it comes from living uh, the purpose that God has for your life. But we also want to encourage each other to walk in obedience to what God has commanded. Because when we walk in obedience to what God has commanded, we look more like Jesus. That's why it's so important to teach people to what Jesus has commanded, how to live that out. Because when we walk in obedience, we look, like, we look more like Jesus. We reflect his light in a dark world, and we fulfill the purpose that God has for our life. Moses said that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord. 
There's a passage that came to my mind when I was thinking about the fear of the Lord. Solomon is credited with being the wisest man to ever live. Solomon had anything that anyone could imagine. He had wealth. He had power. He had far too many relationships than he needed with women. Um, and Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, where basically he says that everything is vanity, that everything is meaningless. But in the end of that book, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, he says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, the whole purpose of our life, the whole duty of our life is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Why? Because the whole reason of our existence is to bring glory to God. And we do that when we live in obedience to who he is. I've been reading a book by Tony Evans called The Power of God's Names. And I highly recommend it for anyone that's looking for a good read. It basically goes through the different names of God that are used throughout Scripture so that we can understand his character a little bit better. And there was a quote from that book that says this, God's greatest aim is always his own glory. God's purpose on earth are for the advancement of his kingdom and his glory. God provided a way for Moses to escape his punishment in Egypt so that Moses could eventually lead an entire race of people out of Egypt to worship God. God never delivers us so that we might forget him. God always reveals himself and delivers us so that we might worship and fully know him. God delivers us from our bondage. He delivers us from our sin, not just so that we can go down the path that we want to go on, not just so we can do what we want to do, but so that we can know him fully and so we can worship him. God saves us so that we can know him more, so that we can worship him, but also so we can share his word with others. So who are we going to be moving forward? We're going to be a people that remembers what God has done, that remembers his faithfulness, that remembers what he's done that we see in his word, but also in our lives. We're going to be a people that's actively reaching out and sharing and inviting others to be a part of this family. And we're going to be a people that teaches the word of the Lord so that others may hear, believe, and live for him. I want to encourage everybody to take out your phone or take out something that you can write on, whatever works best for you. If you're like me and you write it on a piece of paper, you won't be able to find it by this evening. Um, so, if it's your phone, maybe that's your best bet. I want you to take out something that you can write down or type down a few things. I want to close our time out tonight with a challenge. We've talked about what the Word of God says. We've talked about who we want to be as a people. Now I want to encourage you to take a practical step in your life. I want you to write down or type the name of five people. Five people that you can invite to be here with you next week. Could be a coworker, could be a family member, could be a neighbor, could be a friend. I want you to think about five people that you can invite to join us next week. I'll give you a second just to type those, write those. And I'll explain this a little bit further in just a minute. You can keep typing those five writing down those five. You may think, why are we doing this? Because we want people to hear about who God is. We want people to hear about what he's done. We want people to hear about what he can do in their life. And next week, uh, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And you think about someone who was 
running far away from God. Someone who was persecuting Christians was as far away as you can imagine. And God meets him on the road to Damascus and his life radically changes. We're going to talk about how no one is too far. No one's too far gone that God can't save them. And so I want you to invite someone to be here so that they can hear that message, so they can hear about what God can do in their life. If you wrote down five names, I want to encourage you to pray for those names every day this week. And I want to challenge you to invite each one of those people to be back with you next Tuesday night. And you might say, Pastor Corbett, all five of them are never going to come. That's not the point. If you invite five people and one person comes, we'll have twice as many people hearing the gospel next week than we did this week. We'll have twice as many people who are being challenged in their faith that can grow and learn more about who he is and can live on mission with us. I want to challenge you to invite your five, to pray for them, invite them to come with you, and let's see how God moves and how he works. Let's be a people that is diligent to share the gospel, that's diligent to invite so that we might reach the next generation. Because I believe that if we can reach this generation, it'll change the trajectory of the next generation. If you reach young adults, you're reaching the people who are going to be parents and who are going to raise children in just a few years, and you can impact the, the ability of the gospel to continue to go forward. God has placed you on my heart. He's placed this generation on my heart because I believe that he's moving. I believe that he wants to do a powerful work, and I believe that he wants to use each one of you to carry that out. If you're here tonight, and as we were speaking, you said, you know what? You talked about a relationship with Jesus. You talked about how he came down and how he died on the cross so that I could have my sins forgiven. And maybe you've never experienced that. I want to encourage you, before you leave tonight, stop and talk to me. Stop to talk to one of the people that you saw put here on the stage leading worship. Stop and talk to Kimber. Some of our life team will be here. Stop and talk with one of them, and we will share with you how you can know that your sins are forgiven, how you can know that heaven can be your home and how you can experience the freedom that only comes from a relationship with Jesus. Let's go to the, word, the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. And God, we just thank you for all that you've done. Lord, all that we are is because of you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to move in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that you would write your words and your truth upon our hearts. And God, I pray that as we leave here, Lord, we wouldn't forget what you've done. We wouldn't forget how you've moved. And God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of courage to go and to share and to invite and to reach people that don't know you. God, we ask that you would move in a powerful way, that you would do what only you could do, that you would bring the increase. And God, we will give you all the glory for it. Lord, we pray that you would do exceedingly, abundantly more in our church, in this ministry, in our lives than we can even ask or imagine. And it wouldn't be for our namesake, but it would all be for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.